Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Muster Music Podcast. We've got a very sad one ahead of us. Usually when we do these, uh, we talk about new music that comes out each week and what we love and what we're excited about. Uh, in the past, we've talked about some new songs from Prince that have come out, including a, a pretty wonderful song he did uh, about Baltimore called Baltimore um, in tribute to the lives lost and trying to kind of take a more hopeful view uh, of the future for Black Lives Matter. But unfortunately, this week we're going to be talking about Prince, and it's not a new Prince song because we're not going to get any new Prince songs because Prince Rogers Nelson died very unexpectedly at age 57. It was a huge shock to the music world, a uh, huge shock to just pop culture in general. Uh, I'm from the Twin Cities originally, I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota, so. I mean, Prince was, you know, hometown hero to me. In addition to that, though, you know, even if I hadn't been from Minnesota, like, he 100% would have been one of my favorites of all time. Uh, He, along with another recently lost rock legend, uh, David Bowie, since high school have been in my top five, they both really stuck out out to me as artists who were just uncompromising in being themselves. And unlike a lot of other celebrated artists, and I don't want to take away from anyone but you know like unlike let's say someone who compared to uh prince is maybe a little more celebrated another famous minnesotan bob dylan uh you know dylan's great no shade on him but you know he ultimately if you're talking about uh you know comparing the growth from uh highway 61 revisited to blood on the tracks like stylistically those aren't radically different albums uh, Prince, who I think is totally underappreciated, even though he is recognized as a genius, uh, you compare Prince's Dirty Mind to Prince's Purple Rain to Prince's Sign of the Times, those are stylistically and thematically and just everything radically different albums. And I think it really goes underappreciated that Prince mastered so many different styles. Uh, and before we get into talking specifically about some Prince songs that uh, maybe you haven't heard or maybe you've forgotten about, I just wanted to say my piece that I think, uh, you know, part of the reason he is such an underappreciated genius in the rock canon, like to me, he should be like one of, in anyone's critical appreciation, like top five of all time. Um, part of the reason I think is just that he worked in uh, historically dismissed genres for a lot of people, like rock-centric, uh, white male-centric critics, things like funk and R&B are basically the same. So for those critics, like him being able to master both funk and R&B, they were just like, oh, it's the same thing. Or for those people, you know, like kind of a disco-influenced pop is no different than, uh, you know, a synth pop. So, uh, you know, and a lot of the styles Prince worked in were like synth pop, were kind of a disco-inflected funk, were R&B, were just straight-up pop balladry, um, and then straightforward rock as well. So I think a lot of the the time his influence goes underappreciated because he worked in genres that people tend to lump together or take less seriously. Uh, you know, let's say if then if he had just been a straight-ahead classic rocker who also did some folk-y music occasionally. 
those are the, the people that tend to get the most uncompromising uh, across the board adoration. Whereas I think with uh, Prince, a lot of times you would hear critics or even just people in the general populace wouldn't really recognize his genius except when they heard him play uh, guitar. And he was, without a doubt, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Like his solos are just astounding and amazing, but far too often I would hear people, uh, you know, I would bring up Prince and my love for him, and the the really only thing they would have to add was, yeah, he's an incredible guitarist. Uh, you know, I heard him play the solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps when George Harrison was inducted into the Rock Hall, and, you know, or I heard him cover A Whole Lot of Love and my jaw dropped. I mean, we shouldn't define Prince's success in terms of just straight up that he was good at rock guitar. Um, you know, we need to acknowledge that, you know, pop, which is no less a valid genre than rock or folk or anything else, uh, he was a complete mastermind at that, and the album Purple Rain attests to that. Purple Rain is a very pop album, um, you know, and I think that's why, as, as acclaimed as it is and as silly as it is to say Purple Rain is underrated, I would easily stack that up against right alongside uh, Ziggy Stardust, Highway One, <laughs> Highway 61 Revisited, a number of Beatles <laughs> albums um, as totally equal to those. And I think a lot of the time it doesn't get kind of mentioned in the same breath because it is pop and because pop is something that uh, has been more historically dismissed than I believe it should be. And, you know, usually it gets uh, the kind of like praise like one of the best of the 80s or one of the best of the year. No, it's without a doubt one of the greatest records of all time. Deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as, you know, Dark Side and all these other, you know, more kind of white rock centric things that typically top people's greatest albums of all time lists. Um, and, you know, Purple Rain certainly makes it, but you usually you see it there and it's like of a list of 100 albums, it's in the 50s or something. Like, that's crazy. It's a top 10, without a doubt. Anyway, so I'm going to get off my soapbox about. Uh, Prince being underappreciated, and just start talking about some of the music that I adore about him. Uh, and, you know, like I mentioned, Purple Rain is a masterpiece. I don't want to belabor talking about that. It's an enormous album. You've probably heard it. If you haven't heard it start to finish, go just listen to that right now. Turn me off. You shouldn't be listening to me. You should be listening to Purple Rain. Um, but, with again, without belaboring it, the song Purple Rain itself is absolutely gorgeous and flawless and amazing. Uh, Let's Go Crazy is just a wild, stylistically eclectic opener. When Doves Cry, I mean, everyone loves that. I don't need to explain why that's great. Uh, the Beautiful Ones is just an incredibly gorgeous composition. I Would Die For You is one of the loveliest rock pop songs ever written. It's a masterpiece. I don't need to go into too much detail on that. So let's go on to, and you know, again, so we're going to be talking about some stuff here that I don't want to say is like a deep cut necessarily, but it's the stuff that an average listener might not be familiar with. And we will do a couple deep cuts too. But let's start with one of my all-time favorite Prince songs, which is from the 1999 album. It's called DMSR, and that stands for Dance Music Sex Romance. And it's just a perfect eight-minute dance floor jam. Uh he, it's one of those great songs where it proves that he had such an incredible ear. He could take what's a fairly, I don't want to say simple synth riff, but it, it's straightforward enough. But it's so good and it's so perfectly timed that even though it plays throughout an eight-minute song, you don't get tired of it. This is also another great song that shows, uh, you know, the guy could construct a very, you know, well-written regular song and then towards the second half of it just completely deconstruct what he had just built up so the second part of the song kind of devolves into chorus back or uh, kind of a response call back and forth a lot of prince screaming uh it's just it's a remarkable song and let's listen to a little bit of it right now so it's dmsr from 1999 All right, that was DMSR from 1999. 
Uh, I mean, God, I could just go through that whole album too, but, you know, Delirious has this this really almost impish, adorable, like, synth riff going on. Uh, Let's Pretend We're Married is a song about wanting to have sex with someone all night as if you're pretending you're married. Um, you know, it's just, it's perfect, dirty prints, but at the same time, and I think, actually, Let's Pretend We're Married is a great example of why Dirty Prince works <laughs> and is kind of so immortal is because when he would sing these, you know, quote-unquote filthy songs, there was a sweetness to it. And I don't mean a naive sweetness because Prince always, there was no naivety to him. He always seemed to have a smirk, always seemed like to have a wink and to know a little bit more about something than you did, you know, whether that's the meaning of life or just like he's holding a secret like who knows he always seemed to have the upper hand somehow um but the sweetness that he brings to these sexual songs is just kind of an earnestness like he means it and it's not um well i guess one way of saying is a lot of times you'll listen to these uh more romantic come on songs and they'll feel like they exist solely to get someone in bed and that the person has actually no romantic feelings for them. Um, You know, you could, maybe a point of comparison is, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but uh, I don't know, George Michael, Want Your Sex, that's more of a lascivious thing. You don't feel like when he's singing that song the next morning he has any interest. Uh, When LL Cool J does I Need Love, Sure, he seems like he needs love, but he also just kind of seems like he wants to get some. Prince genuinely seemed to be singing with this kind of combination of libido and an urge for, like, romance. And even if that urge for romance, you know, was brief, it would only last a week or two, like, there was a real love about the way he sang these kind of dirty come-on songs. Um, And I think you get that with Let's Pretend We're Married, you get that with a lot of his other material... Uh, let's do, let's listen to a little of Let's Pretend We're Married before we move on. Okay, so we're talking about Dirty Prince, so this is a, a as good a time as any to uh, go to Dirty Mind, which is his kind of his breakthrough album. We're jumping around historically here. So we did Purple Rain, which was 84, and then jump back to 1999, which came out in 82, and now we're doing Dirty Mind, which came out in 1980. So, uh, and actually, before I get to that, I'm jump back even further. So his first album, For You, came out in 1978. If you're Big Prince fan, 100% worth checking out. Don't expect to be floored by the album. I mean, the most impressive thing about it is that he did the whole thing himself. He, you know, he wrote it, he composed it, he played every instrument on this album. Um, and in that sense, it's just a testament to his talents. Songwriting is good. It certainly is nothing to indicate that he would be one of the, you know, titanic songwriter performers of his generation. Uh, second album was self-titled was again good you know maybe not his finest moment but there are some incredible singles on there and that's kind of where we start to get a sense that maybe uh you know this guy is going to turn into something pretty remarkable which is exactly what happened on Dirty Mind so this is his third album it's quick I mean I think it's like maybe 33 minutes but it's just absolutely perfect it changed the course of 80s music to come it's hard to imagine what Janet Jackson did in the 80s happening without this album. It's hard to imagine, uh, you know, dance pop and synth pop, even, you know, later New Wave years. New Wave was certainly kind of going in full force by the time that this happened, but an album like this had a big impact on kind of the the later New Wave classics from like Cyndi Lauper, for instance. She even covered one of the songs on this record, When You Were Mine, did a fantastic job with it. But anyways, I mean, just reading off the track list on this album. The title track, Dirty Mind, uh, is just him kind of admitting that he has a dirty mind in a very, like, playful, cutesy way. 
When You Were Mind is one of just the saddest yet sweetest songs you can imagine. Uh, Uptown is his ode to the Uptown Minneapolis music scene. And this is, Uptown's a really interesting song because it's, I think, one of the few instances where we sound, or we hear, excuse me, Prince sounding um, heartfelt to the point, almost to the point where he has something to prove. Like, Prince was always very confident with his talent and with his abilities and with his kind of sexual prowess. Uh, one, one thing we, one part of his life where we hear him maybe seem a little more defensive occasionally is uh, when he would talk about, you know, kind of his devotion to Minnesota. I mean, the guy came up in the Twin Cities. He stayed, pretty much stayed there his whole life. Paisley Park is in Chanhassen, Minnesota, which is not too far outside of the Twin Cities. Um, and like a lot of people from, a, you know, kind of a Midwestern town, that is frequently, you know, devalued in comparison to an L.A. or a New York or even a Chicago, which is, the, you know, the big, quote-unquote, cultural mecca of the Midwest. Um, you know, like a lot of people from a town, even though Minneapolis is a, a proper city, has a great art scene, especially in the 80s, uh, you know, they often felt like they had something to prove compared to the scenes in, like I mentioned, New York or L.A. And so on Uptown, that's one of the kind of instances where we hear Prince sounding... I don't want to say desperate, but almost like he has something that he knows he needs to impress upon the listener, which is that Uptown is this fantastic place, this, like, not even just a great place, but the place to be, like, the artistic center of the world. No, you know, no place Prince would rather be than Uptown. Uh, but, you know, it, it would be pointless if the song didn't sell it musically, and it does. It's just an impossibly funky song, but it's also this kind of new funk that Prince pioneered which during the 70s you know the kind of the standard bearer of what funk music was was George Clinton and that is a a very deeply grooving uh kind of hard R&B based funk music I mean he got certainly lighter with his parliament as compared to Funkadelic um what Prince did was put an entirely different spin on and that's what's called the Minneapolis sound but um it's hard to describe without really it, I mean really it's one of those things you just have to listen to but ultimately it was kind of like a way of bringing funk into an era where synth pop and new wave had kind of taken hold it was a way of both updating it and making it more versatile uh you know whereas the funk of tear the roof off the sucker maybe by 1980 wasn't pers- wasn't passe but it certainly wasn't pushing things forward the funk of Dirty Mind was the sound of the future, basically. Um, anyways, let's, so, you know, I've been talking about that enough, so let's listen to one of it. Let's listen to some Uptown. So here's Uptown. All right, let's jump to another Stone Cold classic from Prince, uh, the double album Sign of the Times. This is one of those, you know, double albums are kind of a tricky thing where you you really can, like, you can even, and I would say this is, you know, an all-time classic of the 80s, even so I think any fan is going to look at it and, you know, say certain tracks are significantly better than others. Uh, regardless, I mean, this is just a stunning work of art. It, it covers so many genres, and maybe not always successfully. I would say the the, the most dated number is, is called Housequake, which is, uh, you know, Prince was very aware of hip-hop and tried to incorporate it into his music, and frequently successfully, uh, sometimes it sounded a little awkward or, at the, you know, I think uh, probably the nicest way of saying it is just dated. And on Housequake, we get a little bit of that. We get a little bit of him delivering, uh, you know, hip-hop-influenced verses that maybe don't sound the most comfortable for him. Uh, but is it embarrassing? Absolutely not. Like, it's still worthwhile. I think it's, it's one way of just looking at kind of Prince's take on hip-hop, which he would eventually just kind of 
abandoned entirely once he got into the latter 20 years of his career uh, is that he explored kind of his own version of it. I don't think he was bad at it. I just think what he did with hip-hop didn't end up being the norm. And I think that's probably for the best, honestly. But that being said, that doesn't mean what he did with the genre wasn't worth listening to. And it certainly makes sense within the context of his albums. So after kind of that caveat that, uh, you know, this album has a song that kind of sounds a little out of place to a modern listener, uh, the rest of it, that's not the case at all. There's the the second half of the album is just like one classic after another. There's If I Was Your Girlfriend, which is this really, just one of his cleverest uh, lyrics on this song. It's him singing from an alter ego. Uh, alter ego, if he was this woman's girlfriend, would she let him do things like watch her undress uh, so he can help pick out her clothes? You know, that's the the implication being that there's this underlying sexual desire, but he, you know, keeps couching it by saying, no, I, I want to give you a massage because I'm your friend, not because I want to get you off. Although, the way it's performed and delivered, we know that's exactly what he's doing. So it's, again, more of that, uh, you know, Prince sexuality that's somehow lascivious without feeling wrong or, like, overpowering. Um, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man is a fan- another fantastic song. It's one of those great uh, examples of kind of Prince doing, and it doesn't sound like Zeppelin at all, but kind of doing that Led Zeppelin hard rock trick where you build up a song and then right when you're about to get to the climax, you take it down and kind of like uh, you jam out in a kind of mellow way for a little bit and then right at the end of the song, you bring it back to the riff that uh, is the center of the song that kind of comes crashing back in and it makes the climax even more fulfilling. Uh, the, The album ends with Adore, which is... I don't want to say a straightforward um, sort of R&B ballad, but it just because it's it's so perfect in its simplicity that it seems like it's straightforward. It's actually a very uh, intricate composition. It's one of those songs that's just so well done that you kind of forget that it's even happening. Like, it just is perfection. Like, it's so perfect you don't think about the effort that must have been put into it. Um, Adore is just absolutely gorgeous. One of the most romantic songs of all time. I think we should just listen to it now. Like you were afraid. Was you afraid of me? Was I the first? Was I good All right, so that was Adore. Uh, we're still talking Sign of the Times. I think, you know, before we, we move on to something else, I think another one that is worth some love is a, is a briefer one called Starfish and Coffee, which is just kind of this folky little uh, slice, of likes, <laughs> slice of life song. Uh, one thing that, that you don't really hear a lot in Prince is his fandom for Joni Mitchell. Prince was a big Joni Mitchell fan, though. Um, before he got big, when he was just a, a fan of music, checking out other musicians, uh, he went and saw Joni Mitchell when she came in to play the Twin Cities. And I know the story because, uh, incredibly enough, Joni Mitchell specifically remembers um, Prince. She remembered after he got famous, put you know the face that she once saw in the audience, like front row at her show, with uh, the face of this kid who was uh, also from Minneapolis and getting famous for his music. So anyways, years later, she told the story um, of specifically playing a show and looking out into the crowd in Minneapolis and seeing this, you know, very young, beautiful kid with eyes that, you know, are just impossible not to notice because without a doubt, you know, especially when you look at Prince in like the late 70s, early 80s, like he just had those like sparkling eyes that are just like more beautiful than like you know, any costume or any album artwork. I mean, they were just, like, the star of his look, basically. Um, but but enough about Prince's eyes. Anyway, so Joni Mitchell tells this great story uh, of looking into the audience and she, seeing what she describes as young princeling, uh, you know, on the cusp of fame. 
And you don't, you don't hear that a ton in his music, but you do hear that a bit in Starfish and Coffee. Uh, so it's a really lovely song. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, and I suppose now is actually a good time to say, speaking of worth checking out, uh, unfortunately, Prince is not on a lot of streaming services. He's only on Tidal, uh, which if you have Tidal, that's great. Then you're set. Um, but he had a weird relationship with the internet. You know, he incorrectly thought it would be a fad at one point. When it became, it wasn't clear it was a fad. He still really resisted it. Uh, you know, his lawyers or whoever does that sort of thing relentlessly pulled all Prince material off of YouTube and other sites. So even though he has some of the greatest music videos of all time, it's like near impossible to find those. Uh, you know, MTV and Fuse were playing a bunch of his music videos the day he died. Uh, you know, unfortunately, that only lasted one day, though, and now we're back to a world where it's almost impossible to track down these brilliant Prince music videos. And to an extent, we're in kind of a similar position with his music. A lot of uh, his great albums are not actually on iTunes right now. His full catalog isn't available there. Uh, you know, and this is also someone who would release music and then, for all intents and purposes, kind of unrelease it. Prince famously had an album called The Black Album that was supposed to come out in 1987 and, in a way, sort of did come out. Uh, the story goes that basically Prince had Sign of the Times, an absolute classic, came out in 87. Uh, it was doing well, it was well received, had some hits. But it wasn't really getting any dance club play. This in the story is according to, uh, you know, insiders that Billboard has been speaking to since then, and other you know stories that have just come out over the years. Uh, so Prince kind of wanted to make a, a more dance centric album that would play to the clubs. Uh, his label Warner Brothers was naturally like, you know, we can't be promoting two different albums at once, especially when one of those albums is a double album already. He insisted on getting this album out. They were about to release it. Then at the, you know, like 11th hour, uh, Prince changes his mind. He had kind of a just change of heart creatively after listening to the Black Album, uh, totally finished album. He was like, oh, this is a little too negative, a little too dark, even though like the negativity was kind of him taking on a role. He was still like, I don't want to release something this negative. Uh, so he basically recalled it as it was about to come out. A few copies did end up leaking and, you know, people bootlegged it over the years, Um Eventually, it did see release officially in 1994, but again, as with things Prince, it stayed mysterious and enigmatic. It was a limited release, you know, copies came out, but they were snapped up immediately, never put out again, you know, so it's one of those records that's, you know, if, if you have the internet, like, you've, if you're really into Prince, you'll find a way of finding it, um, but it's not an easy one to track down. But one song about that, which and I don't have, unfortunately, so we can't listen to it, uh, but it's worth calling out, is Bob George, which finds Prince uh, taking on this misogynistic, violent, uh, heteronormative alter ego, and it features a, a classic line where he, Prince, you know, in this alter ego, makes fun of Prince, calling him uh, very negatively that skinny motherfucker with a high voice. Uh, it's it's a great song. If you ever download the Black Album, it's it's not like a lost masterpiece, but it's totally worthwhile. But let's let's talk about something we can listen to a bit of. Uh, so the last number one hit Prince got, also one of his best videos, uh, is for Cream, which is just another. It was it's from the album Diamonds and Pearls, which I actually have it on CD. If anyone remembers those in front of me, it has a holographic uh, cover image. So when you move it. It looks like Prince is moving his hand. Uh, you know, it's it's so bizarre. Like, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm sitting in an office in 2016 holding a, a CD. It's just, it seems like such an, you know, antique. But anyways, uh, so yeah, so Cream is another one of those just perfect songs that you listen to, you don't really realize how brilliant it is because it's just so well constructed. Uh, but when you kind of stop and pay attention to it, it really is a remarkable composition. This was Prince's uh, last number one hit. He didn't actually have a ton of number one hits, and I don't want to get this wrong because I don't have it in front of me. But he, he basically had a handful of songs that actually topped the Hot 100. Uh, this is a great one. The music video is really fun. It starts out with a woman telling her uh, boyfriend that she just wants to go to Minneapolis, and he's kind of a... Uh, 
business suit overweight bozo and he's like what's minneapolis is that a greek restaurant uh you know it's just prince's like weird winking humor like not the kind of thing where you would laugh out loud at per se but you're smirking at the whole time and you get a lot of that in the movie purple rain too there's uh if you know anyone's seen it and remembers there's a really weird scene where he's talking to his band uh with a little hand puppet and it's bizarre. It's not laugh-out-loud funny. It's not even funny, per se, but it's just amusing in a weird way. Um, you know, proving that in all ways, including humor, like, Prince just was his own thing. Uh, unlike a lot of other stars, uh, you know, I think actually Madonna's a good example. I adore Madonna, but, you know, when she did movies, she definitely tried to take on different styles of humor, different established styles of comedy. Uh, when Prince did his, you know, movie forays, not the case. He just stayed Prince. He refused to be anything other than what he was. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Cream. All right, now that I mentioned Madonna, actually, that reminds me of something not a lot of people know, which is a pretty incredible uh, little tidbit. That So, obviously, Prince and Madonna had a duet on her 1989 album, Like a Prayer, called Love Song. It's a great song. You know, it's rare to hear two superstars working together at that point, like at the height of their powers. Usually, you get the kind of thing like uh, McCartney and Brian Wilson duetted, God, I mean, that must have been 10 years ago, but, you know, well after their classic years, or Mick Jagger and David Bowie sang together in the 80s, you know, which, you know, not their most artistically prime years. In this case, we had Madonna and Prince, you know, as hot as they could be across the globe working together. But the under-realized contribution that he had to Like a Prayer is that he actually did the, the very opening of the album, the kind of... Uh, fuzzy, sick guitar solo that opens the record right before you hear the sound of a door slamming and the proper start of Like a Prayer, that was Prince's guitar solo. Um, it's not credited on the album, so a lot of people don't know it, but it is him. We, we spoke to uh, Keith Caulfield, which is a great uh, big Madonna fan, wonderful Billboard writer, uh, spoke to that album's Patrick Leonard a few years ago, who 100% confirmed that that was Prince's guitar solo. Uh, anyway, so that's just a, a weird little tidbit I wanted to share. All right, uh, Prince had, like, a great number of artists, uh, kind of after their most fruitful decade, uh, had another decade where he seemed a little bit lost. I mean, the 90s opened strong. Uh, Diamonds er, and Pearls was a good album. Uh, he did a few albums with the New Power Generation, which were great. Uh, The Gold Experience is a good album. Uh, I'm trying to... Let me look at the track list on that. What's one of the better ones? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, it starts off with another one of his wonderful, filthy songs, P-Control. 
Uh, the P stands for something I don't feel comfortable saying on this podcast, um, but we can listen to a little bit of it. This is just another, uh, you know, this is an example of Prince at a point in his career where maybe he wasn't pushing music forward anymore, but was still making uh, classic material. And, well, let's listen to a little bit of it. So it's uh, P Control from the album The Gold Experience, which came out in, what, 95. We'll step and step she did to the straight A's, then college to master degree. She hired the heifers that jumped her and made every one of them work for free. No, why so? What if my sisters are trifling? They just don't know. She said mama didn't tell them what she told me. Girl, you need pussy control. Are you ready? Alright, so that was Prince circa 1995. Um, after that, his career got a little bit lost. He released uh, this album called Emancipation in 1996. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's a three-CD album, and I, I can't think of any other artist. I mean, I'm sure someone will correct me. I'm sure I'm wrong. But aside from, like, compilations or live releases or whatever... Like, this is a three-CD studio album. It's absolutely crazy. Um, It's certainly not all worthwhile. It did not need to be three discs. Uh, You know, for Prince devotees, it's worth seeking out, though. This was released at the point where he had dropped the name Prince and was simply going by the love symbol, which is a combination of the symbols for male and female. Um, So you look at the back of actually have it on CD, uh, you look at the back of it, it says produced, composed, arranged, and performed by Symbol. Uh, so, you know, this is the point in his career where everyone called him the artist formerly known as Prince. He became kind of a, a talk show, uh, late night joke. You know, it's weird. You know, someone changes their name to an unpronounceable symbol. People are going to make jokes about it. Uh, regardless, it's it's worthwhile for Prince devotees for even a, someone who would say they love Prince but isn't 100% enraptured by him, probably not worth tracking down this long album. Uh, and, you know, the rest of the, the kind of 90s proceeded similarly. I would say there was about a nine-year period where his music was interesting but increasingly insular, just not the most um, satisfying stuff for listeners and it's, you know, it's not like he was, like, even really pushing boundaries. He was kind of experimenting within himself, but you just don't get the sense that uh, there's anything creatively that he hasn't or maybe that others haven't done before. Uh, but around uh, 2004, he released an album called Musicology, which was touted as his comeback, and very correctly so. I mean, certainly in terms of uh, creative succe- uh, success, it was, I think, probably the best album of the last 20 years of his career. It opens with a title track called Musicology, which is just has this impossibly funky riff. I mean, basically, it, it's an album where he kind of, quote-unquote, returned to his roots. He returned to the party-starting funk music that made him fall in love with music in the first place. Uh it's also very funny. It's classic Prince in the sense that, you know, during the, the title track, Musicology, he's playing this song, and then he stops the song to take on a character who's yelling at another character. Uh, he also plays tidbits of his past hits. The album goes on to have uh, these other amazing songs. There's another, you know, funk party starter called Life of the Party. Uh, there's a beautiful R&B song, Call My Name, which won a Grammy. Uh, my favorite from the album is called Illusion, Coma, Pimp, and Circumstance. Aside from a great name for a song, it's also one of uh, the most witty songs Prince has written. It's about uh, a rich sugar mama who has everything that she can buy, but the one thing, well, there's a lot of things you can't buy, but one of the things that you can't buy uh, is cool or style, and that's something she doesn't have. So she basically hires a boyfriend to fill her in on those things. And there's a a great lyric where, uh, how does it go? It's something like, she knew which fork to use, but she couldn't dance. So this guy she hires basically hips her to the funk in exchange for the finance. She finds out he's cheating on her, but she decides she doesn't care because she's just using him to be cool anyways. It's one of those just really funny, 
incredibly written uh, story songs that Prince did and didn't do a lot, but when he did, they're just absolutely peerless. Put the spoon down, honey. Come on, let mama feed you. Gentlemen. And then the next album after that was one called, it was another like great comeback record called 3121, has a really great uh, funky title track, has a song called Black Sweat, which was his last, or at least within his lifetime, uh, his last appearance on the Billboard Hot 100. The, you know, that's another great album, another late career success. Uh, more recently, he made an appearance on the Billboard chart with two albums at the same time. Unfortunately, it looks like those are, you know, the last Prince albums that, you know, there might have been something he was working on in his lifetime that were yet to see in an unfinished form. I mean, the guy was always making music, so I'm sure there will be cobbled together Prince releases coming up over the years. Um, uh, But yeah, but it's, uh, God, I feel like I'm trailing off now because I'm just thinking about the fact that he is gone, that there will be no more new Prince albums. Uh, you know, even in 2016, it was just still an exciting time to be a Prince fan. He, even when he didn't release something good, I remember going out and buying this album he had called Planet Earth, which I think is maybe like 07, and, you know, not really liking it, being a little disappointed with it. Um, but you knew that with Prince, it was unlike a lot of other, you know, quote-unquote aging rockers, it wasn't that he had lost it, it was that you knew he kind of just always followed his own muse, and that sometimes that meant you were going to get an album that you weren't that into, um, but that other times that, you know, you might find one year there'll be an album that you weren't that crazy about, two years later he would release an album that was just one of your absolute favorites of that year. Uh, He was an incredible talent like that, and, you know, all power to him for following his muse. Um, I, I do feel like it's just so sad that he died at such a young age. Like, without a doubt, we would have gotten... A few more, uh, you know, semi-classic Prince albums. A few more brilliant tracks. He was a knockout live performer. One, maybe the best concert I ever saw was seeing him uh, play the Twin Cities. He played for three hours. He did everything. Um, he's just it was so remarkable. But anyways, without without going off on that, uh, let's talk about some more songs. So, kind of in the the B side realm, uh, probably my favorite Prince B side. And I think one of the most underappreciated Christmas songs ever is called Another Lonely Christmas. Uh, it's a five-minute, absolutely desperate, lovelorn ballad, Prince singing to his dead lover who passed away on the 25th of December, remembering all the great experiences they had, like skinny dipping in her pool, which made her dad really angry. It's just another great example. Prince had these wonderful details uh, in the songs he would write that would make them seem real and kind of, you know, dance on that line where it's, like, sexual and, you know, explicit, but not gross and dirty. You never really listened, or at least me, I never listened to a Prince song that's sexual and feel, like, icky about it, whereas so many other rockers or, you know, R&B singers or whatever do veer into that territory where you hear it and you're kind of just like, ugh, like, I didn't want to hear you say that. Um... And part of it undoubtedly helps that Prince is just very attractive. Like it's it's you know it's a big difference listening to someone uh, who's kind of disgusting sing a sexual song versus someone who is so convincingly sensual. Uh, but it's also his delivery and his talent and the fact that there is uh, and always was a sweetness in his voice. Like you believed that at the heart of everything, he was a good person. Um, And that, you know, for someone who I 100% did not know, I've never met Prince, I don't know anything, he was a very private person, I don't really know what he was like, I can't attest that he was a good person, Uh, but you just always, and you know, maybe that's part of the beauty of his mystique, is you could project that on him, but he seemed like a genuinely sweet person, and by all accounts from other artists who have met him, uh, he was always 
very honest but very forthcoming with his praise of other musicians that he liked. Uh, But yeah, so Another Lonely Christmas, let's give a listen to that. Uh, It's a heartbreaker, it's a fantastic song, let's listen to it. All right, a couple other, uh, you know, B-side releases that are must-hears. There's one called Gotta Stop Messing About, which actually might be wrong if there was a B-side. It was either a B-side or it was a UK-only single. Uh, but that is an early Prince essential Minneapolis sound. It's got just one of those, It's you know, it's not a funk song, but it's him playing synths in a way that basically is funky. Uh Another one, and I think I saw this trending on Twitter after he died, is Erotic City, and it's one of those uh, wonderful, filthy, but not icky songs that he did. It was the B-side to Let's Go Crazy. Absolutely, I mean, I guess aside from the like pretty dirty lyrics, like Erotic City could have been an A-side and could have been a hit. Like At this point in his career, he was just so good at doing what he did that he could release a song like Erotic City as a B-side. Uh, he could also just give brilliant flawless hits to other people i mean he wrote the bangle song manic monday which is a perfect pure pop song and he just gave it to them he just felt it didn't wasn't right for him uh you know he also the Sinead o'connor song nothing compares to you he did record that first um she of course made it the bigger hit with her version uh another one that was beautifully covered was his song how come you don't call me anymore which, if I'm not mistaken, was a B-side. Um, I think it was a B-side to the song 1999. Uh, and Alicia Keys did that on her debut, Songs in A Minor. She recently performed it uh, in homage to Prince after he passed. But let's uh, let's listen to a little bit of Erotic City. You and me, every time I comb my hair All right, uh, you know, and I, I, okay, so we've been talking a lot about Prince. Uh, I guess in terms of, like, where to go to next, it's hard to say because, I mean, I guess the, the answer is title. If you want to get a title subscription, do that, listen to more Prince. Uh, if you're not interested in that, uh, you know, because of the way his catalog is, some of the CDs or albums aren't even on uh, iTunes for downloading, Others of them are. It, it's hard to say what the next thing to get is. If you have Purple Rain and you love it, like what is the next must-get uh, release? I would say for my money, I would go Dirty Mind to 1999 to uh, Sign of the Times. And then there is a great uh, two-disc, well, actually it's three-disc compilation uh, called The Hits slash The B-Sides. The third disc is The B-Sides, which includes a lot of the ones I've been talking about. Uh they're all great. Like, the B-sides are just as good as the A material. Uh, I guess before we go, one other song I wanted to mention, and I'm not sure if I can, we'll be able to track this one down to play it, um, but he did a follow-up movie to Purple Rain that not a lot of people know about because it's not that good. It's called Under the Cherry Moon. Uh, it's where the soundtrack to it, which is called Parade, uh, is where Kiss comes from, certainly one of his best-known songs. You know, it's one of those great riffs that you can hear a million times and it still sounds fresh. Uh, a less, uh, you know, known classic from that album, Parade, is the title track to the movie Under the Cherry Moon. It's just a beautiful, uh, longing kind of romantic ballad. It's the kind of song that you listen to and, you know, almost like similar to Paul McCartney, you listen to it and you're like, oh, this could have existed in the 30s or 40s. And it just reminds you that, you know, Prince was just such a consummate talent 
that he could really write any style and that had he been born in any decade, he probably would have been uh, one of the premier songwriters of that area. You know, and you can't say that about everyone. I don't want to, like, name names to, like, knock anyone down, but uh, I think there are very few, there are a lot of rock icons who succeeded because they made sense for rock music and what rock music means. Uh, Prince certainly is a rock icon, certainly is a genius, but I feel like no matter what he would have tried his hand at, no matter what style, he would have created classic material uh, in any genre in any decade. Um, God, I mean, I don't really know how to to end talking about Prince. I'm still in shock. I really barely believe that he's gone. Uh, You know, fortunately, his music is here. His music will live on forever. And I do believe that he's one of those artists who, you know, as I mentioned before, like he's certainly celebrated and revered. But I think a hundred years from now, we're going to be paying a lot more attention to him than people are now. I do feel like, you know, as much as people love Prince, he really is to me up there, you know, like top three, top five uh, talents of the rock era. So... I don't know if you, uh, you know, if you've never heard Purple Rain start to finish, that's crazy. You should go listen to it start to finish now. Uh, if you've heard it and were unmoved by it, I would suggest uh, kind of taking off uh, the rock-centric uh, lens that you might be looking at the world and come to appreciate other styles equally. Uh, otherwise, you know, just dive into all the other stuff. Like, there's... It's just his 80s were classic, and uh, he still made great material after that. I think if you haven't listened to a lot of the later years, musicology is definitely the one to get. Uh, As I say that, it's still hard to track down, but whatever. Um, I'm rambling at this point. It's just because I don't want to stop talking about Prince, but I don't know what else to say about him. Uh, It really sucks that he's dead. I absolutely loved his music with all my heart, and I mean, there'll never be another one like him, and I'm just absolutely heartbroken that he's gone but that being said you know he gave us some of the best music we'll ever hear so i guess let's listen to a little bit of that to play us out hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.